Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Push Through Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Reeves. I'm a licensed professional counselor with a group practice here in Atlanta, Georgia, where I specialize in women as well as maternal mental health. Here on the podcast, we'll talk about womanhood, motherhood, and a little bit of everything in between. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a quick chat with me. And now a word from our sponsor. Hello, this is Rose Horton. I am the founder and CEO of Antonian Grace. We are a company that provides nurse navigators, doulas, and lactation consultants for Black, Indigenous, and people of color. This company was created because the BIPOC community does not feel listened to or heard in healthcare. It is also important to call out that we are three to four times more likely to die in childbirth. Visit us at AntoniaAndGrace.com to see how we support sacred and joyful births. Thank you guys for joining us for another episode of the Push Through Podcast. And I'm so excited to be joined by Jay Nibs. She is an interior designer here in Atlanta, Georgia. She formerly had a um, blog and then her business. She's an entrepreneur. She is a mother. She is a wife. She has two little ones. And I'm super, super excited to be able to talk to an entrepreneur because you have put up a post a couple of weeks ago that I was like, I need to talk to her. You have put <laughs> up how, I can't remember how you worded it, but in so many ways, like sometimes people will come up to you and ask you, what does your husband do? And like totally like disregarding the fact that you are your own boss and you come with your own stuff. And I completely yes. related to the pot to the to the whole post. So I was like, I wonder if she'll come on the show. So I was so grateful that you agreed to do it. <laughs> oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> um, but before we get into entrepreneurship, um, and I know I did a brief introduction of you, tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself. Okay, so I am a former corporate leader, actually. Um, I had a tenure in corporate communications um, in the hospitality industry. And I always kind of had a knack for interior design. And um, some years ago, my husband's job transported us to a faraway land, a rural town here in Georgia (laughs) for a few years. And it was really just a place where my industry did not exist there. So I had to figure out how I could pivot and find a new way to earn a living. Mm. And, um, and, you know, I had family and friends and people that have really encouraged me to do it, go into interior design, but I'd always been reluctant to do it because I was busy, you know, in corporate America but I decided just to take the leap. And so that was now seven years ago. And now I have a really beautiful and thriving business Mm. with wonderful clients. And I'm so happy that I'm able to capture the audience that I do with with women leaders. Wow, that's amazing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, To talk a little bit more about motherhood, I was reading in your bio and you were saying how your mother was really good about being able to like online shop and the things that she couldn't get. Um, you guys would just travel to different places. And then you also were abroad at some point in time with her. Um, tell me a little bit more about your mom and what that experience was like with her. 
So I had somewhat of an untraditional life growing up because both of my parents were in the military. Mm. So I had a hardworking mom, hardworking father, and um, I think what was really cool about seeing them perfect kind of this model of parenting where both people equally contribute outside of traditional roles, they both just kind of got to 100% however they could, Mm -hmm. both contributing being whole people, she got to be a whole woman, Mm -hmm. and then also a mom, and also a wife. And that was always fascinating for me, and something so inspiring that I knew I would aspire to create that same model in my household when I had a family, too. Nice. So did you always know that you wanted to be a mom? I didn't, actually. You know, I always kind of dreamed of having, like, a romance with my (laughs) husband, rendezvousing, and being adventurous and exploring the world. But motherhood, for me, my husband has kind of spearheaded the family planning for our family. I was always open to it, but I was not really a person who always longed and dreamed for, you know, having children. Um, I knew I wanted to have my own money first and Mm -hmm. be somewhat established. Um, And then I knew I wanted to have some life autonomously with my husband where Mm -hmm. the two of us could just enjoy our time together. And then I was kind of waiting for the chance where it would just dawn on me. And and that's really what happened. I didn't say no. I didn't say, oh, absolutely. But I just waited until I felt like it was a good time. And it Mm -hmm. seemed almost like I woke up one day and thought, you know what? That actually doesn't sound like a bad idea. I think (laughs) it's a good time for that. And so that's exactly what happened. I'm like a super duper planner when it Mm -hmm. comes to major life changes. Mm -hmm. So our family planning was extremely meticulous <laughs> so we had to write out and you know formulate a, a serious plan on how we would make it happen but I'm so happy that we've made the choice and our little family of four we're just we're happy to be together oh that's nice so your oldest is your son right yes my son Mason is six and what was pregnancy labor deliver like with him You know, my pregnancy was totally uneventful. Really, really good pregnancy. I felt good. I wasn't sick. I just had a great, I think the whole newness of it all and and experiencing just like a a different life phase was so exciting for me that I didn't really experience a lot of, thankfully, tough things that some women have to experience when they're pregnant. The labor was brutal. (laughs) It was long. My kids, both of my kids, like to cling on in there. They are waddlers. <laughs> <laughs> so they like to kind of chill out in there. And um, they both did for as long as they could. So I was in labor 39 hours. Oh, my him. goodness. Long, long time. But he came vaginally and um, he latched on right up as soon as he came out, really. It was a long, long labor, but um, but I didn't have any complications. So I'm really thankful about that. Oh, good. Okay. And then for your daughter, you were pregnant at the same time as me. So you also had like a 2020 baby, right? Oh, yes. We both had babies. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And her birth was almost identical. Um, she actually, I was in labor probably for about five days off and on with her. Oh, my I would have have these huge surges for hours where we just knew it was time. Somebody would come pick up Mason and everything. Mm -hmm. And then it would just dwindle away as if it never happened. Um, 
So finally, you know, it was D-Day, but she took a really long time to come. <laughs> Same situation, but still vaginal birth, no complications or anything mm. crazy going on. Regular happy birth, happy That's baby. Good. Now, and I remember, I know that you were like a couple of months behind me, but just 2020 babies in general, you know, the height of the pandemic, it was an adjustment, you know, like it was just <sighs> unexpected. <laughs> How yes, it was indeed. How did you get how did you get through it? Because I know that you had Mason at home with you because I also had Ezra at home with me and then juggling like mm-hmm. a newborn because I remember like DMing you and exchanging like ideas and tips. But how how did you get through it? You know, it went in phases. So at first it was really, really difficult. I think just dealing with the usual isolation that you feel postpartum mm-hmm. anyway. And you kind of feel like you're alone on the island. Nobody else has a newborn and is experiencing the same things as you. Um, but couple that with nursing and then helping my son with the virtual learning, trying to keep my breast off of the camera <laughs> while he's on the calls. I'm nursing the whole day long. Mm-hmm. And then the making lunches and, oh, my word, the snacks all day. Uh. I never knew a child could eat so much. <laughs> <laughs> the snacking all day. So at first it was, it was pretty difficult. Um, I think also at that time, everybody was kind of in the mode where when the whole pandemic is over, when all of this is over. And then we eventually came to learn that it's not that simple. It's not a, it's going to be over soon sort of thing. We really have to embrace this sort of new normal. It's a long solution, not really a switch that's right. flip. So I think I just began to become more settled into the idea that this is the way things are. How can I find a way to still take what I need, be happy in the situation that we're in? Um, And that really came, I think, in two ways. One of the ways I started implementing some mindfulness practices um, where, where I would just take pauses throughout the day. Uh, and sometimes they would be just brief, but I would just have an opportunity to walk away outside, upstairs in the room, whatever, take a moment to breathe and settle myself and make peace with however the morning went or, you know, things that had taken place up until that point. I'd even started to incorporate some EFT tapping. Love it. Um, yeah. And I really found that to be helpful just to move the energy out of my body sometimes from having been so stressed and really kind of wound up tense mm-hmm, all mm-hmm, over. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing I really have gotten a lot better at is just taking what I need, asking for what I need. Yes. If that's alone time, a drive, take the kids for a few grandma, can you please come yes. get them? Mm-hmm. Whatever it is. I just started to, to get more and more comfortable with asking for help and advocating for myself on what it was that I needed to be happy and content in the circumstances that we've been given. I love that. I love that. Um, especially the asking for help. Cause I know that sometimes for black women that can be a struggle cause we can feel like I, I can do it. I'm supposed to do it. Let me, you know, try to do it all. So that's, that's good. Mm-hmm. Cause it makes you stronger and have more clarity when you can take care of yourself to then take care of others. Um, That's right, yeah. And then just like a side question, hearing that you are such a planner, which I am as well, 
Um, and sometimes I wish I wasn't always like sometimes I wish I can be just like, la, 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 you know, just <laughs> float with the wind. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just so structured. <laughs> how, especially with children, how do you balance the planning side and the the unexpectedness of kids, you know, with everything that they bring, like those unexpected sick days that throws off your schedule and you have to rearrange everything or doctor's appointments or just motherhood in general. Like how, how do you balance those two sides of you? You know, I kind of go kicking and screaming when it comes to <laughs> knowing that I can't control everything. I try my damnedest. I mean, it's something that I have. It's a personal struggle for me. And it's probably a perpetual one. I don't think I'll ever completely relinquish things just because I feel more comfortable mm-hmm. and safe when I can manipulate the details yeah. of everything. Um, but I can say that motherhood certainly has softened me up to the idea that um, sometimes you just have to flex and flow. Yeah. Um, and even in the way that both of my children entered the world, I think it really kind of set the groundwork for me. Just so you know, when you have kids, you cannot say that it's going to happen this, 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 and this. You cannot plan everything. You can do everything right. It doesn't always work out that way. And um, so I think I just so I make peace with that. I plan when I can. And then... You know, just try to get comfortable with the fact that sometimes the spontaneity of it all brings about unexpected joys that you don't yeah. even know this were going true. to happen. Right. Yeah. Right. How else would you say that motherhood has changed you as a woman? Hmm. I think it kind of makes you appreciate the duality of the human experience, how something can be so beloved but yet so challenging mm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. And um, and even in things that I, lessons that I try to teach my son, you know, you can feel bad right now, but you can feel good right after this. Mm. You know, it's just for a short period of time and then you can feel happy a little bit later. Even things like that, I'm teaching it to him as if I'm some master, but really <laughs> telling myself, hey, that's a life lesson, you know. Yeah. Um, I think it's made me more generous with my time and patience. Um. And then the biggest thing is, I think when you're young, it's like you you want to be so fun and cute and fun to be around. I think when you're a mother, it makes you learn how to be useful. Kids need people around them supporting them that are useful, that can do for them. And it's made me kind of think about and embrace this other aspect of myself of how can I be of service to my children Mm. in a way that they can use and... um, and yeah, I really kind of like that aspect yeah, of it. That's awesome. I do. Um, okay, so now to switch it up a little bit about um, entrepreneurship, being a business owner, um, how do you balance that? Because I would imagine, well, for my own experience, um, I feel like sometimes social media makes entrepreneurship seem like this glamorous world. And yes, there are several <laughs> perks, right? Um, but (laughs) I am HR, I am, you know, payroll, I am my marketing department, I am my scheduler, I'm customer service, I am Mm -hmm. my financial advisor sometimes when I'm not talking with my own financial advisor, I'm, you know, managing so much and my brain is just always thinking versus when I worked a traditional job and I got that guaranteed check every two weeks. (laughs) 
and I had mm-hmm. PTO and I had FMLA, you know, where if when I wanted to have my, my son Ezra, I took out, you know, maternity leave. And it was different with Ezra. It was more Ellis. It was more planning. So it takes a lot of discipline, organization, um, and a lot of untraditional hours to make it work. Um, and then when you throw kids in there, you know, that's a whole other thing. So how... How do you balance it all and also stay so creative in the midst of it? You know, I really experienced quite a bit of guilt about this. Um, Mostly because, like you said, you wear so many hats and serve in so many ways when you're in business for yourself that sometimes it does take away from the time that I feel like I could be spending with them. When I could be down on the carpet with cars crashing them, you know, I have to promote things on social media or I have to make sure my posts are written the way that they're supposed to or that the format is correct. And it, it really is something that commits your time mm-hmm. in such a way that um, the planning part of it really helps. The other part that I think is super duper important for entrepreneurs is Uh, is to make sure that you have like kind of your tribe and support system situated in a way that helps you run your business. Mm. That's been the biggest saving grace I think that I've had up until this point. And then it took me a while to learn that, but um, over the years I've just made sure that I've had some established people that I can count on Mm. to help take my son to the park or whatever it needs to be because he has to go outside. Well, my work can't be done sitting on a, a park bench or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think employing other people to support me has been something that's been really helpful for me having kids and also running a business at the same time. Gosh, that's that's awesome. How is it? I I often can see how fear can show up with entrepreneurship because you know your business can grow. And it can take you away in some areas um, from being as present as you want to with your family or with your husband. But ultimately, we will want our business to grow to a certain extent um, to be, you know, whatever our dreams want to manifest it to be. Do you ever have any fears about it? And and if you do, how do you kind of combat that? I definitely have fears about that. And it seems like um, the more I grow, the more that becomes a deeper fear I, I've begun to scale my business in a way that takes me away from some of the aspects that I used to be so involved with. Um, and that's really helped out just with the logistics of it all. But yeah, I, I am fearful sometimes that I'll become, like I see other people that I really admire um, who travel all the time with speaking mm-hmm. engagements, their weekends are completely committed to other things. Mm-hmm. That is certainly something that I'm fearful at. And I don't really have it figured out yet about, you know, what I'm going to do if it gets to that point or when it does mm-hmm. cross fingers. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of the, I'm the type of person that those kinds of aspects of business you know, you just have to experience them before you can have a plan. Some things you just can't plan for. Yeah, that's true. That is true. How did you deal with the fear when you first took the leap to just start this company at the beginning seven years ago? So interesting story. I was, because we moved away and I quit my corporate job, I tried my hand at being a stay-at-home mom Hmm. for a few months. (laughs) And, um... And I loved being there for my son. I homeschooled him for a little while. 
Um, but ultimately just decided that it wasn't for me. And I didn't feel like my own talents and gifts were utilized in the way that I felt they should be um, being a stay-at-home mom. So I think the fear part of that was superseded by the fact that I really needed to be doing something different. But it was a scary journey. It certainly was, especially because I had been in corporate for so long and had a cushy Yeah. You know, every two weeks, yeah. it's going to hit. I don't have to look for it. <laughs> I don't have to wonder, is it coming? I always knew that that was coming. I had my, you know, health insurance, dental, and mm-hmm. all of those really, really um, privileged things that you have. It was a little bit scary from that perspective because I knew that it's all kind of riding on me and whether or not my talent could bring me the success that I wanted it to. Mm. That was the scary part. Yeah. Yeah. Which is hard, which, I mean, I do feel like sometimes you just have to like jump, like you just have to do it, you know, like you'll never know until you just do it. It is scary, but it's so Mm -hmm. rewarding when you see it all like work out and all of, you know, the lines like connect and it's, it's a beautiful thing when you can see the, the fruits of your labor. That's right. And it's not all, you know, the trajectory hasn't all been up. I've had, you know, brand collaborations that have said, uh, absolutely not, ma'am, we're not working. (laughs) You know, the highs and lows with it. And it's just something that you just have to, you have to know that it's not going to always be up. It's a rocky road sometimes. Yeah. So being that you wear so many hats with work, plus you are a super present mother, um, plus you have a marriage and friends and family. How do you take care of yourself? Like, what are some of your self-care routines? My self-care routines, let's see. I, I can actually be pretty introverted in the sense that I need a lot, lot of alone time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I need a lot of silence. Mm-hmm. I'm a really sound sensitive person too so just the normal noise of a household with two children can be very overwhelming for me at times and so recharging for me looks like being alone Mm -hmm. in absolute silence I'm not watching television I'm not listening to a podcast there's no music playing there's nothing I'm either reading or looking at a magazine Mm. I can even scroll Pinterest or Instagram or something but I need just time to completely decompress Mm -hmm. um I do enjoy um, somewhat of a social life. I I certainly stay in connection with my girlfriend so that we can share and compare experiences. That's something that really helps me feel connected, even amidst the pandemic and things that are happening right now. Um, And the other thing is I like to shop. (laughs) (laughs) I shop. I do. I online shop. I love to go, you know, out to um, how they have so many beautiful outdoor malls where mm-hmm. the whole experience is, you know, they have restaurants and green spaces. And, and I, I enjoy being outdoors quite a bit also. So that also includes hiking and walking mm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. Those are things that I do for self-care. I love all of that. Do you, are you very intentional about implementing self-care for yourself or do you feel like you get burnt out and that's the reminder? Um, it kind of ebbs and flows. Sometimes, depending on what my workload is, I will burn out to the point where I'm begging for mm-hmm. time to have some self-care, um, especially because sometimes my schedule is not so predictable where I can know that on this particular day I can do this or that or the other. Um, but sometimes when things are a little bit more steady and uh, digestible, I 
can take every Wednesday in the evenings, for instance. I will take my children to their grandparents' house, and then I can do whatever it is that I need. And that is always a beautiful thing when you can have in schedule. I know on Wednesday, (laughs) I can go to Barnes & Noble for two hours, and nobody's going to be calling for me. I love that. That's awesome. So to go back to that post that you had put up on social media, um, tell me, because you know what post I'm talking about. I do, yeah. <laughs> so, so about people asking me, oh, so what does your husband do? Yes, yeah. Tell me what, what kind of inspired you to post that or what, what was going on. So this is something that happens oftentimes if I am on play dates or, you know, when you have just small talk with other moms at playgrounds. Sometimes even when we go on vacation and mm-hmm. my husband is maybe resting in the room and I'll go to breakfast or something by myself, I'll meet someone and we'll have, you know, a certain type of conversation and it always hits. And it doesn't ever seem like a natural, you know, just making conversation. Oh, so what do, what do you guys do? It seems like, you know, what does your husband uh, do? Like, uh-huh. as if I'm just sitting around all day long. <laughs> And I find it to be so insulting just thinking, wow, isn't that interesting that there are people that still think that women don't earn for themselves or don't make a valuable contribution to their household that contributes to why they're able to experience whatever they do or be in spaces that they are. And, you know, that's something that I just find kind of irritating when I hear it. Yeah, very frustrating. I I related to it a lot because my husband... My husband is an extrovert. I am a very introverted person. Um, and right now, this weekend, he's away on, on a guy's trip. And it's been so tranquil at the house. Because <laughs> he has a lot of energy. He's a very um, social person. But he's in the medical field. So I say all that to say everybody in our neighborhood knows him. And I work from home because I do telehealth. And... um. I was home during the pandemic with the kids and now they're since in daycare and at school. And so they, our neighbors assumed I was a stay at home mom. And, Mm. um, for my birthday, because last year and this year had been like such a good year. I bought myself a car and, um, I had heard them tell him, Oh, you bought, you bought Keisha a new car. Like, Uh, (laughs) yeah. And, like, he just laces me up in this house, you know, and and I'm just at the home chilling, doing nothing all day and just taking care of these kids. And not once is it ever, like, what what does she do or let me get to know her or what is just this Mm -hmm. automatic thought because he does what he does. He must be the sole contributor to the household and she's just so lucky (laughs) isn't that something and don't get me wrong you know we absolutely embrace appreciate and love you know our husbands and their contribution but we do want to be seen as partners and taken seriously for what we contribute also that's something that i feel like i learned from my mom she got an opportunity to be whole she wasn't just our mom she worked she was able to pursue her own talents. She had the freedom to express herself and take on challenges just that had nothing to do with the rest of our family. And so um, that's something I always aspired to do as well. That's right. funny. That- I know. <laughs> you I know. bought you a car, girl. Congratulations. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so funny. But I, I do totally agree with that because, like, you're also modeling that for both of your children and that it doesn't. I mean, of course, like anyone can have the dynamics of the household that they want to have and whatever works Mm -hmm. for them. 
but at least That's they right. can see an alternative in what you and your husband represent and how it can also healthily function and you guys can still happily have this, you know, situation mm-hmm. set up as well. Certainly. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Um, so the last things, just to talk interior design real quick. So okay. I think it's amazing <laughs> that you're an interior designer. I could Thank never you. do it. I could never be able to do it. But from the sideline, <laughs> I love observing the work. <laughs> I, yes. I um, will spend like so many hours on Pinterest. About two years ago, a girlfriend and I took like a, a mom's trip to Magnolia in Texas and like explored mm. and shopped. And um, I love Studio McGee. I follow them on like YouTube and I watched their show on Netflix. But I think it was like something that had happened. It was this article that I had read about Chip and Joanna um, relating to critical race theory and some things that came up to them that shifted me from them. And then to mm. also just explore other black interior designers and the work that they're doing. And because I feel like white interior designers definitely are like on this like platform of whenever I see them on like HTTV and, you know, having their own Netflix show. And it really yeah. like um, pushed me to find specific black interior designers or ones that make home goods and, and things to be able to purchase. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I say, I say all of that to say, um, whose work have inspired you or how do you stay so creative in your own work? Because I think like everything that you've shared on social media or even your portfolio is so beautiful and it's so tastefully done. Um, and I would definitely just like recommend you to everybody that I know, but Thank you very much. I appreciate it. But how do you stay inspired and and what kind of like sparks all of your creativity? That's interesting that you would observe that and how different things can be for white designers um, versus black designers. Um, They are certainly in the forefront many times and given a bigger platform than black designers. I think one thing that the industry kind of fails at is making the distinction between how black people connect to home and how white people connect to home. It's a very, very different experience. And culturally, it asks for something different for black people. And um, and I think that is somehow seen as not a universal thing, even though it actually is. So I do respect the designers that you were talking about, Studio McGee and Chip and Joanna Gaines. I absolutely love their work and have stayed and you know connected to what they've done. But there are some black designers that are out there doing their things. Also, I love Corey David Jenkins. Hmm. Um, he's one. I love Forbes and Masters. They are a duo here in the Atlanta era area, and they are so creative and innovative. Um, who else do I love? Um, Halden Interiors is another designer who, and she's a friend of mine. She is amazing at what she does, too. I've I've been connected through a group called the Black Interior Designer Network, so I'm able to kind of stay in touch with many of these people. But, you know, I think I spend so much time looking at interior design that it's kind of easy to stay inspired. Because it's my work, I'm always, always sort of immersed in the industry. But I make sure I do make the conscious effort to be connected to 
the black designers that are in the forefront and even some that are upcoming. Mm -hmm. I do kind of feel the industry shifting and changing and sort of embracing brown faces. Mm -hmm. I've been looking at the high point market as a big thing that's coming up here. And um, I've seen a lot of their advertisements. And now I am seeing black speakers and black thought leaders in the industry Mm -hmm. that are being embraced. And so that's something, you know, I think you have to see yourself as a person who's connected to the change. So my aspiration is to be on those stages someday. Mm. It's easy sometimes seeing how it's treated to say like, oh, I'm just gonna stay over here and design and that's it. But no, I aspire also to be in the forefront, to be respected as a thought leader and as a person driving the industry. Um, And that's something that inspires me also. Would you ever come out with your own line of products? I would. I'm actually working on a product right now and ironing out the details of how I'm planning to present it. Um, But yes, I absolutely would do that. Mm. I am hoping that that happens next year. Early next Mm. year is my plan. So we'll see if the timeline works out the way that I want it to. But yes, I absolutely. I think those kinds of things are critical. That's how you get more brown faces in the industry out there seen and become household names through products. That's yeah. really how it happens. Right, right. What, what, I mean, I know being that you are an interior design, you can be able to design a space based off of the taste of your customer. But what would mm-hmm. you say your own taste is? Is it like modern, contemporary, or how would you describe your own taste? So my taste is more classic transitional, which mixes a bit of modern and a bit of traditional, kind of all in one hodgepodge. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely respect just the classic designs with textures and finishes, but then I do like to see the trend sort of playing well in the same space and um, and giving a nice diverse mix of 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 styles. Nice. Okay. And my last question for a mother who has small children, um, what investment piece <laughs> would you recommend um for her household? For example, um, like if she was having a playroom, I find in some of the, the mothers like I've talked to, like it's hard to like find like the right sofa for example um because they don't want it to be destroyed but they also want to make it look nice but then it's also like a room that they could shut the door or like in the living room um how to like invest in something that's going to be long-standing but can also like withstand like having a a family company and and whatnot look nice because you have kids in the house and your house can look trashy sometimes but Mm -hmm. also look like you have some class and you can clean up and they can look together um, what mm-hmm. would be a piece or a couple of pieces would you recommend? <laughs> hmm. So I'll say two things. One, I have a girlfriend. Before I had children, she gave me probably the most profound advice that, that I didn't know I needed. But she told me that you invite children into your world, mm. not the other way around. So have the things. Mm. Have the things in your house. And don't create this life that's just, you know, dark and dreary because you're trying to avoid stains. You know, there are other more innovative ways 
that are out now that really can exist in the same space as children. So one thing that I think you should invest in is custom furniture, especially mm. pieces that you want to last, like a sofa or any type of upholstery. There are so many fabrics now that are stain resistant and they're, um, they're called high performing fabrics. Mm. So they are built to withstand children jumping and hammering and spilling and wiping and whatever else they do mm. on your sofa behind your back. That's one thing I would invest in good, good fabrics, custom furniture. And then the other thing I would probably invest in um, uh, good beds and cribs for them. Mm. Those are the items that you want to last. Everything else can kind of transition surrounding a child's bedroom. You don't want to buy things that are so in vogue right now right. that you won't be able to change them out. That's true. So I think a solid bed with a good frame, good material, well-built will, will last. And that way you can shift around your draperies. You can shift wallpaper. You can paint around it. But you know you have that piece that you can depend on for years to come. Gotcha. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Jay. Where can everybody who's listening find you, book with you, follow your work? Where can they go? They can book me on my website, which is jmidsinteriors.com. And they can find me on Instagram, which is at jmidsinteriors. Nice. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to have had you on the show. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it so much. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. Cause I'm a boss.